0: Good morning. Some of you are humming along. Some were dancing along. Good. Hey guys, welcome today. Uh, Pretty cool. uh, Bethlehem Ministries uh, from India. Uh, I'm an incredible partner that we've just started with uh, this year. So we're going to hear more from them. And like you said, maybe at some point, uh, some of us can go over there to India and see what's what's going on over there. Uh, Guys, you know what today is. Today is March 13th. And if you don't know what that means, two years ago today... The world changed in a lot of people's eyes. On Thursday, this was a Friday. On Thursday, everything seemed to be cool. On Friday, we realized that our lives would be different. We didn't know how different. Uh, But two years later, here we are. Here you are. You guys are great. I want to thank you as a church because we've come through a couple of rough years. Uh, But God has been good, and you guys have been faithful. And thank you. It's been a journey. We don't want to do it again. Uh, But uh, we're glad we're on this side. All right. On this side, two years later, and we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So that's wonderful. Guys, we're in the series that we began last week, uh, so I'm excited about jumping in today. Before we do that, let me tell you, some of you will identify with this. When I was a kid, we didn't have video games, and we didn't have organized uh, youth leagues in our town anyway, and uh, so those weren't available, so we had to come up with our own fun, and we had some pretty dangerous things that we did. I mean, dangerous, like we rode our bicycles without helmets. And our horses without helmets, we didn't even know that you should. And that was dangerous back then, right? But there were a lot of group games that we played as well. We played games like tag that could really get serious. I mean, you, uh, you had to, anybody even know what tag is? Yeah, you had, yeah some of you do. But I mean, sometimes you got tagged, you got punched, you know, on the way because uh, you were trying to stop that person back to base. And we played hide and seek. Uh, you know, which could be a little bit dangerous too, depending on where you hid and how quickly you were trying to make it back to base uh, before it. And also we played a game called Swinging Statues, uh, which I don't think they play anymore, probably illegal in some places. But but what it was basically, we would stand in one spot, we'd take the arm of another child and we'd swing them around in a circle, around and around, then we'd release them. And however they landed. anybody else play that? No, a few, couple, wherever they landed, they had to freeze and be a statue, and then you judged about who was the best statue, right? Uh, my sister got her collarbone broken on that. We, we weren't able to play that game any, after that. But what, one other game, when everything got really aggressive, we had to slow down. One thing we would play uh, is a game that, um a little bit different, and uh, this was a game that you would pick an object out, and then your friends would try to guess what it is, and they would try to get close to it. I'm not sure what the name of it was. I guess, you know, hot or cold might be the name. But we would say, okay, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you're hot, almost there. Or if they were moving away from it, we would say, you're getting colder, colder, you're freezing now, all right? Uh, so that was a game that we played, and that wasn't nearly as dangerous as some of the others. But have you ever thought about how that game applies to relationships? We've been talking for a couple of weeks here about cherishing your spouse and the people in your life that matter And the word cherish actually means to warm them, means to warm them up, all right? So going back to the game that we used to play, does does the way that you treat your spouse or the people that are important to you in your life, does it warm them or does it chill them out? Are you getting warmer or colder? So let me give you a list of words that will help you grow warmer toward other people in your life. Words like gentle, humble joyful, affection, honoring, serving, encouraging, patient, romance, respect, sacrifice, being agreeable, and caring. So there's a warm list, but let me give you a chill list. Words that chill, right? Harsh, belittling, cruel, rejection, disrespectful, apathy, passive, proud, self-righteous, unkind, angry, critical, abusive, selfish, and silent. I thought it might be good to start out this morning by just looking at some ways that we can intentionally either warm up people by cherishing them, or we can freeze them out by being negative toward them. So last week, beginning this series called Cherish, and we noted that if you are married, the odds are pretty good that when you made your vows, you promised that you would both love and cherish your spouse. And by the way, that was a mutual vow that you both made to each other. It wasn't just the man making it to the wife. Uh, they were mutual vows. You repeated the same vows to each other. And we talk a lot about love, but we don't talk a lot about cherish. And cherish has a really rich meaning that we're going to look at uh, a little bit deeper today. And We're going to see that cherish is an idea that helps us to kind of understand and to kind of flesh out what it means to be in a marriage and how to treat one another. And we also said last week that if you're not currently married, we want you to hang in here with this, uh, in this series because it's a great way to just think about uh, treating other people that are in your life and other relationships that you have. So to cherish someone means that you're protecting them, you're honoring them, you're holding them dear, you're treating them with tenderness And respect, things that we all want to be treated in that way and should be treating each other anyway. But it's kind of getting back to this idea of cherish. And we need to make sure that the people in our life who are important, especially ones that we're in a relationship with long term, that we treat those people with love and cherish. So today I want to talk about uh, or begin to talk about 10 ways that we can cherish our loved ones. We'll talk about five this week and five next week when we wrap up, but 10 ways that we can cherish one another. All right, the first one comes from creation itself, and it's kind of interesting about how we even got here in these relationships. We know that God created the world and everything in it on a series of days. We know that on the last day that Jesus, uh, that God created uh, a man, and man was alone, and God said everything that he had seen to this point was good, but it was not good that man would be alone. And so he put Adam into a deep sleep. He took a rib from Adam And he created a helpmate for Adam named Eve. Isn't it interesting that God in his creation of Eve, his helpmate, took from Adam to make Eve, that everything else that God had made, he basically made from nothing, even Adam himself or the dust of the ground. But God made Eve from Adam himself. And so whenever Adam woke up, he saw Eve and she was like him. Unlike all the other creation, but she was different in many ways, and it was love at first sight. And it was perfect. Everything was perfect then. But I also want you to think about something that Eve was the only woman in the world, and Adam was the only man in the world. So there was no comparison to anybody else. It had to be perfect, right? It had to be love at first sight. There was nobody else out there. them to have, right? So there's a principle that comes out of this, and that is if you want to be fully satisfied in your marriage, if you want to fulfill your vow of cherish, then here's the principle. Think of and treat your spouse as if they are the only man or woman in the world, as if they are the only man or woman in the world for you. King Solomon wrote, my love, my dove, excuse me, my dove, my perfect one is the only one, the only one, So he saw this one to whom he was writing as the only woman in the world. Do you remember, guys, when you were getting married and your bride walked down the aisle and if you were like me, you were standing at the front and you looked back and you saw your bride at the back and she was walking down the aisle, she was the only person in the room that mattered, right? Or whenever you were the bride coming forward and you saw your husband or your groom there, he was the only person in the room that mattered. But over time, the problem is that we oftentimes take each other for granted and 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 we appreciate each other less, less and less. We we take that, the fact that they'll always be there. In fact, we may even compare ourselves to, some, our, excuse me, our spouse to someone else, and we may, in our mind, find our spouse lacking in some ways. Now, guys, I want to tell you this is one of the greatest dangers of pornography for men, because pornography trains men to find their wives less attractive. And that's attractive. Not only is porn exploitive of women, is it a sin against God, but it also creates unfair comparisons and dissatisfaction in your mind and heart. And the Bible says that we have to guard our hearts and our eyes. Job chapter 31 said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. So we need a covenant with ourselves that we're not going to look at other women or other men, the case may be. And that they are the only, our spouse is the only one for us. But you know what? It goes even beyond that. It goes beyond physical appearance and also can include things like their skills, our spouse's skills, their personality, their abilities, and basically the whole person. And it's the same thing for women as it is for men. And here's the thing on the whole, women tend to be more dissatisfied in their marriages than men. Women tend to be more dissatisfied. And it may be in some cases, because men are oftentimes passive and don't really think about it, you know, as much. But, but sometimes women are, are dissatisfied in their marriages. And, and maybe your husband isn't as romantic or thoughtful or creative or as involved or as communicative or a handyman like somebody else's husband. And you're always thinking about that and you're comparing them. I wish they were more like so-and-so. Unfair comparisons create disappointment and resentment on the part of the spouse and your thoughts toward your spouse. Here's the thing. No man or woman can do everything. Nobody can. When you marry, you agree to a commitment of contentment. I really like this. And it's probably something that we ought to talk to young couples about more than, than, than it is. But a commitment of contentment You agree when you marry them, you're going to be content with them. Nobody puts a gun to your head and forces you to marry your spouse. But when you did so, you did so with a commitment that you were going to be content with that person that you're marrying, knowing that they probably lacked in some skills or some areas or some, uh, you know, in your opinion, compared to somebody else. So you don't get to compare your spouse to anyone else. They become the only man or woman in the world. So cherish has the idea of saying that you feel that, you are committed to that, and you communicate that to your spouse through your eyes, through your attention, your words, and your acceptance. And in a way, you're saying you don't have to be anything other than who, what you are. Have you ever tried to make someone, maybe your spouse, be somebody else? If you ever, ever tried that, you know how frustrating that is to everybody involved, all right? So you cannot change another person. People do change if they choose to, but you can't force anyone if you do, they're just resentful. But there needs to be this commitment of contentment. Now, how do you get there if you're not currently there? Well, let me give you a couple of suggestions. First of all, I think it begins with a biblical understanding of how you should view your spouse, which is what we're trying to to convey here. You need to view them in that way biblically. You are called to cherish them and love them But then you also need to prayerfully request help from God. If you don't feel that and you're struggling with your spouse, ask God to help you see them in that way, to change your heart, your mind, uh, your, your vision even. Have a desire and then a determination to reset the way you see your spouse. And if you choose to do that, you can certainly do that. When, when you're able to see your spouse as the only man or the only woman in the world for you, the plumb line of perfection, this is, they're perfect for me. God brought us together, and, uh, and maybe we're, we're both imperfect, but for me, this is the plumb line of perfection. And then you'll come to appreciate them much, much more. You will find contentment, enjoyment, happiness, and intimacy in your marriage. So see them as the only person in the world. Secondly, showcase your spouse's best side, their best side. Have you ever been around a person, a man or a woman, who constantly throws their husband under the bus? I mean, they're always doing that. They're always kind of talking about them and criticizing them and and kind of embarrassing them in some way, especially when the spouse is present. I mean, that's awkward and uncomfortable for everybody. Except the person doing it, and they don't seem oftentimes to know or even care how much their words are stinging. You can kind of see it in the the the, the other spouse's eyes, but they don't seem to recognize that. So instead of trying to upstage your spouse, cherish them. To uh, cherish drives you to showcase their very best side and their best attributes, and that takes humility. It means we have to be humble. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but do you know what they call the male dancer in a ballet who supports the ballerina? You know what they call them? I don't either. I'm not sure they got a name because they don't matter, right? Because the star of the ballet is the ballerina, right? I think they might call them something, you know, principal male dancer. I looked that up, by the way. I didn't, didn't know that. Don't take my man card about ballet, all right? I just think it's interesting that the ballerina is the star of a ballet, but she can't be the star unless someone showcases her and somebody helps her do that. Do you know the the most difficult person, uh, I'm told, or position I'm, I'm told to fill in an orchestra? It's second violin. Because you want someone that's good, but not to upstage the first violin. Guys, what if we considered our job as husbands and wives was to make the beautiful of our spouse more beautiful by deliberately highlighting their strengths and their accomplishments. How do you think that would make your spouse feel if you promoted them in front of other people? If you kind of encouraged them and talked about how good they were at something, whatever they were trying to do, if you just encouraged them, but not just in public. What if you began your day by asking your spouse, what can I do to make your day better? What can I do today to make this day easier for you if it's a tough day? And you know what? There's a great biblical basis in all this because the Bible says in in Matthew 20, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So if you want to be like Jesus, think about serving people and where's the best place to start? Then with your spouse, the people in your life that matter. We ought to look for opportunities to play second violin to everyone, but especially to our spouse. And here's the thing, whenever you cherish your spouse and you showcase their best, the more joy you're going to have in your relationship. I mean, when you see other people begin to admire your spouse, your value in turn will start to rise as well. And you'll, you'll know you're kind of the wind beneath their wings, if you will. And you'll, and you'll understand that you can help make them be who God called them to be. And it's more than likely your spouse will eventually figure it out and start doing the same thing for you. Can you imagine how your marriage would improve if both of you began focusing on showcasing and supporting each other? If you just begin to build that person up. Think about how ugly it would be if the male dancer, whatever his name is, supporting the ballerina, tried to upstage her, dropped her on purpose, you know, so he would look good among the crowd. That wouldn't make him look very good, would it? Or what it would be if the second violin tried to outplay the first violin. It wouldn't work out very good, would it? And But that's how some marriages get off track. So showcase your spouse. Show their best side and lift them up. Thirdly, to cherish them, honor, take an interest in, and notice your spouse. There are some spouses that just would like to be noticed, to be honest with you, because in our mundane life, sometimes we can almost forget about them, Right? If you were to ask most men to define emotional abuse, they would say, well, I guess it would be yelling and shouting and screaming and using hurtful words. And that's true, but that's probably only about half right. Because the other half of emotional abuse is withholding love, encouragement, and support. It's kind of like the sins of commission and omission. We normally think about the sin of commission being the bad, uh, what we do wrong, right? That's, that's what sin is. But the Bible says that knowing what is right to do and not doing it is sin as well. That's the sin of omission. In fact, in James 4, it says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. So whenever we don't do what we should and what our spouse needs, we're sinning against them. Honoring our spouse is easy to neglect, but it's an essential part of what it means to cherish them. You know, a lot of spouses, I think, feel disrespected, dishonored, ignored, and invisible. Maybe your spouse has time and interest in anyone and everyone else but you, and you feel that sometimes. You're just kind of hurt by that. I know that many women deal with this, but men do as well. For women, it may be that the husband come home, they don't talk or they don't communicate, they don't ask their opinion. That's hurtful, right? For men, it may be that their wives seem to have plenty of time for everybody else, plenty of time and energy to give to their children, an endless task, and any other group, but no interest or energy for sexual intimacy. You may may think that you're honoring your spouse, but if you're not meeting their greatest need, they won't feel honored or cherished. So the idea is to notice them, know what their needs are, and meet those needs. Romans chapter 12 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. In other words, try to outdo one another in showing honor. Try to outdo one another in showing honor. Dr. John Gottman uh, is a psychologist, and he introduced the idea that throughout each person's day, their partner will make a bid for the other person's attention. Never thought about it like this, but I kind of like the way he talks about it. Making a bid for your attention, it might be a suggestion or a question. It might be throwing out just a comment to see if the other person responds. It might be a request for intimacy. But what they're doing is they're bidding for the other person's opinion, saying, Hey, look at me, listen, what do you think about this? Just a question. Would you like to do this? I'd like to go somewhere. I'd like to do that. Bidding for the attention. And the spouse has a choice they can accept the bid by responding, or they can reject the bid by ignoring them, by laughing it off, or maybe even some rude comment like, I'm busy. I don't have time to talk about it. I'm busy. That's ignoring the bid. And Dr. Gottman's research found that the more the bids were accepted, the more likely the couple would stay together and have a healthy marriage. Isn't that an interesting way of looking at it? And I think the principle works in probably in every relationship with our children Think about the times that our children make a bid for our attention. And maybe we just ignore them or we put them on. Maybe among our friends, coworkers, neighbors, in different ways, right? But if we were more sensitive, we would probably hear and, and, and realize that people are making bids all the time, reaching out, maybe even begging for our attention, our affirmation, or our help. So notice, give attention to, And respond to the bid of your spouse for whatever they may be needing at the moment. Fourthly, cherishing is about protecting your spouse instead of attacking them. Protecting instead of attacking. Many marriages dissolve into a battleground. You ever heard the old cliche that says familiarity breeds contempt? Ever heard that? There is nothing more familiar than marriage, is it? Especially over time. You know everything about that person they know everything about you. You're so familiar every day. You can settle into a pattern of being familiar, and that may even lead to contempt at some point. Day in and day out, you know what life is all about. You know you know what they are going to think, or what they're going to say, probably in many cases. But marriage without love and grace and a commitment to cherish can oftentimes lead to disappointment. You're disappointed in your spouse, which leads to frustration, which can lead to bitterness, which oftentimes leads to contempt. They call it the death spiral in marriage. And in fact, many counselors consider contempt as the greatest predictor of divorce. When you become disappointed in your spouse, you're frustrated in them, you're bitter, you're contemptuous of of them, you begin to feel superior and justified to speak down to them and start defining them by their failures towards you, which then leads to an attitude of superiority and, and, and deeper and hyper-negativity. You devalue your spouse, and you begin to obsess over their real or your, their perceived thoughts, whatever you think they're failing in. And since they're obviously inferior to you, it's easy to justify any action on your part, But couples who committed to cherish one another, they know the danger and the enemy. They know the enemy is not their spouse. Your enemy is not your spouse. If you ever get to the place where you think they are, you need some help because they're not the enemy. But Satan is the enemy, and he is the one who is trying to divide and conquer your marriage. Now, when I talk about this, I'm not talking about denying that that our spouse has some faults or that we have some faults. We all have faults, right? We know our spouse's faults better than anybody else. And that's why familiarity sometimes can breed contempt in a marriage. That's important. We're either going to exploit those faults or we're going to work to try to protect them and compensate for them. You know, people who are focused on criticizing their their partner, they miss 50% of the positive things that their partners are doing. When we're focusing on the negative, we miss almost all the positive things, and we see negativity even when it isn't there. Their spouse can't do anything right. I mean, even when they try to do something positive, they turn around and see it in a negative way. Instead, assume the best, and you'll start to see the best in your spouse's life and in their actions. Now, isn't that true in any relationship when you think about it? Whenever we start to develop contempt for a person, we can't see any good in them. I don't know about you, but I have to admit there are times when when something happens, a conflict, and I I begin to see uh, all the negative things about them, not just about your spouse, about other people in life. We basically give up on them, and we kind of write them off. And when you write somebody off, that's when you really become contemptuous of them. Contempt gives you uh, the permission to speak badly of them about other people. You start talking them down. Do anything you can to diminish them. It's deadly to any relationship. And that's why I said, you know, not just in marriage is cherish important, it's important in every relationship to kind of keep ourselves open to the positive abilities of other people and and the perspective that they're not all bad. Recognize their value, commit to build them up by turning toward them, not turning away from them, by by identifying their strengths and positive traits, and by encouraging them spiritually and, and help them come to see hope in life. You know, last week I read from 1 Corinthians 13, I read that a lot, I catch myself doing that. I just think it's so applicable to every facet of our life, but the message version, it brings together love and cherish in its translation. So I want to read that to you this, this morning, First Corinthians 13 in the message. It says, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't always fly off the handle, handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't reveal when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. I love how it brings the concept of love and commitment, along with the idea of cherishing in that translation. Well, there's one more point for the day, and that is that cherish breathes life into our spouse. We breathe life into our spouse. You know, when we enter marriage, we bring with us all of our baggage. Everything from our past, everything that we've ever thought or been treated and everything else, and in many cases, second marriages are often more difficult because each spouse has a marriage history that obviously wasn't the best or they wouldn't be where they are at the moment. The previous marriage may have been marked with unfaithfulness or um, neglect or abuse and uh, a lot of hurt in their past. And so that always is brought into our current relationship. But you know what? Even first marriages bring with them the pain of childhood experiences and maybe rejection they've had that maybe had defined the person. Parents don't always set their children up well for for relational success. Marriage, though, should be life-giving. And once we are familiar and we know that our, our spouse is struggling, we should commit ourselves to cherish them in such a way That our spouse feels free to live and become all that God made them to be. That's part of our responsibility to cherish them is to be life-giving to them. You know, it's kind of interesting in the Old Testament that God chose Israel to be his bride. God indulged Israel. Uh, He gave her wealth. He gave her own land. He protected her. He didn't just provide for her and meet her needs. He cherished her. He adorned her and he blessed her. Now, he didn't do that because Israel was lovable or cherishable. Made another word up, I know. But he didn't do that because she was so great. Israel at times was horrible, but she became lovable because God cherished her. Because he blessed her in that way, she responded to him, and she became what God cherished her to be. So what would our marriages look like if we cherished our spouses as we should as we mutually supported each other within our weaknesses, if we compensated for each other and, and be, truly became one in our relationship. And we felt we knew their, their struggles, they knew our struggles, and we compensated for those things. Cherishing can help heal the past hurts that our spouse has and breathe life into their spouse. And we can make them more into the person that we want them to be. But we don't do it by force, we do it by loving them. Having somebody believe in us and love us and encourage us inspires us. And I think in many ways it motivates us to be the person they think we are or they're treating us to be. See, cherishing is a strategy as much as it is a command. That's what I'm trying to say. It, it works. It's going to make this person the more like the person you want them to be, and you're going to change as well in the process. And the more likely you cherish, the more like excuse me, the more you cherish, the more likely there will be even more to cherish in the future. It just makes sense. It's just common sense. It's just smart, right? And cherish, by the way, again, is a vow that we make. But it takes a lot of intentionality, to be honest with you. It takes work and and being intentional. So the day I was finished this marriage, I usually write my messages over a series of several days, but I'd written on this message for a few days. And the day I was finishing this message is a good example, in the mornings, I oftentimes get up and leave before Lori does, and she oftentimes works a, long, a lot longer than I do at the end of the day. So uh, we were going to be having a roast that evening, and so uh, I got ready to leave the house, and I texted her to remind her to put the roast on. I was like, you know, we need, to, we need dinner, and so you, you need to get it together. And so, um, hang on, hang on. So my original text went like this. Hey, don't forget to put the roast on. Boom. Got it, right? But then I'm right, like, man, you know, that, that's a little bit blunt, right? Uh, and then I realized, you know what? It's going to mean that before she goes to work, she's going to have to get the roast out. It was already defrosted. She's got to get it out. She's got to peel potatoes and, uh, and carrots. She's got to find the seasoning. She's got to combine everything, put it in a crock pot, and put it on. I mean, that's, that's a lot for just don't forget to put the roast on, you know? And we oftentimes share cooking duties. Uh, I'm not a great cook, but, but this was going to put all of it on her. And I got to be honest with you, I, I, I put that in my text, and I read it, and I thought, man, my conscience really began to hit me. I was like, that is a lot right there to expect her to do. She's got to go to work too. What would I do to cherish her and make her life a little bit easier? I was writing a sermon on cherish, all right, to my credit. So it only took me a few minutes to prepare everything, and my text to her, what I sent to her, read like this. Hey, the roast is all set and ready to go. Be plugged in, you know, before you leave. Love ya. I don't get it right every time. I got it right that day, you know? What do they say? Even a blind hog can find an acre and every now and then, you know, you figure it out every, every now and then. But here's the thing. It's intentional and it means we have to think about it and we have to be willing to put the work in for that. Now, Guys, I think this is what we all want to be, that marriage that loves and cherishes and we have that relationship. But here's the thing. Maybe you're not in a situation like that. Maybe you're not married, or maybe you're in a marriage that isn't pulling together, and you're not showing or receiving being cherished. But I want you to know this, that even though you don't feel it from another human being, perhaps right now, that you are cherished by God, that God loves you, and, and he cherishes you like he did Israel. You, are, you and I are now his chosen people. And he invites everyone into this relationship with him. He invites us. He loves us and wants to cherish us. And the way he shows that most clearly was by sending his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world to show his love to us. That's how he showed the fact that he cherishes and wants our best. He seeks our best. He protects us. He breathes life into us. He does everything that we've just been defining here today. And he invites us into that relationship. You know, I don't know if you are walking with the Lord right now. I'm not sure what's going on in your life. Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Christ. And and you don't know that experience of being cherished by God and knowing that he is preparing a place for you. Or maybe you're struggling in some relationship in your life, and you know, you're not doing so great cherishing, and you're not feeling cherished, and, and maybe you just need to, to turn your life around or to make a decision that would, would bring you into a place of being loved and experiencing the love of God. I don't know what's going on right now, but we want this to be a time and place where people feel free to come and seek prayer or offer prayer and make this a, a, a time of prayer. The Bible says my house is a house of prayer. Uh, we've got some little little benches over here that we've provided that if you want to come up and just spend a little time, make it a little more comfortable for you. If you want somebody to pray with you, pray alone, whatever it may be, we want this to be an open time and place because we know that we all have heart hurts that we can lift before the Lord and he will minister to us in those things. And so that's our prayer for you this morning. I hope that you would... Walk out of here with your heart a little bit more encouraged. feeling a little more cherished. The love that God has for you. Let's pray together. And if you want to come forward and share during this time of prayer and worship in a few moments, feel free to do so. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we love you. And Lord, we, uh, we, we feel your cherishing love in our lives. God, we're so blessed. We know all that comes from you and, Lord, so many ways, but primarily because of Jesus. So, Father, we, we pray just now that, that all of us know your love, have surrendered to your love, given our life, put our lives in a place where we can experience that. Father, for those here today who may not, I pray that today would be their first step on that journey. Lord, for others who are hurting today and longing for someone to step into their life and to encourage them, Father, we just... Uh, We pray that they'll feel free to step out, to seek that love and that encouragement, Lord. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and worship.